How's it going? I'm Coco. And this is Mike. And this is Rock and Vino, the podcast where we talk about wine and music and how the two go so well together. You can find past episodes all over the web, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, also rockandvino.com, at rockandvino on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the, the social medias. You can like and subscribe and then they come every Tuesday. Yeah. Delivered right to your equivalent of an inbox for podcasts. And then you don't have to think about it. It's just there waiting for you to be listened to. And a friendly reminder to review it because if you like it and you want to hear more of it, then review it and give it like five stars or something. Five stars. At least four. (laughs) (laughs) And that's R-O-C-K-N-V-I-N-O dot com. This this episode could get interesting. I think I slept about 10 minutes in the past 48 hours. So (laughs) we'll try to, we'll power through. And why is that, Mike? (laughs) The uh, the final year of Warp Tour. So I still am so mad at myself for missing it. I can't believe that I missed it. Like it just like went. I can't over believe my you missed it. Head because like all of my favorite bands were playing. You basically booked the second day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, and that's like my day off. I should have been there. So sad. Bad job. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> uh, so a lot of times we're we're sort of flipping it a little bit this week. Uh, a lot of times we've had winemakers in who are very musically inclined. And we're flipping it. This week we have a musician who is very wine inclined. <laughs> is, I guess you could say. It is Carrie Kathleen. Thank you guys for having me. Welcome. Yeah, welcome. And you brought wine. I brought wine. Yes. Of course. Of course. <laughs> it's a Monday. <laughs> exactly. It's necessary. So to set it up, um, you exist in both the wine and music worlds. I mean, you're an artist, a singer, songwriter, performer, and also... A sommelier. I am, yeah. So I passed uh, my level two sommelier in 2017 and super thrilled to be um, kind of in this, you know, incredible industry in here in Sonoma County. Um, and then kind of after I passed, I said, man, I need a break. And <laughs> I was like, it's time, uh, it's time to really get to focus on music as well. Because for a while I kind of put it on the back burner. Of course, studying nonstop, didn't have a life. And um, really got to pour all that same energy into my music, which has been incredible. Um, and so far, um, you know, built a full band, um, you know, recording, really trying to think as big picture as I can, just because um, sky's the limit. And I've done it with a sommelier, might as well, you know, pour that same focus into music. Nice. And now you've been, you've been very busy in the studio recently. Uh, yes. What's, uh, is, are you able to talk about that? Is that are we going to break break laws? <laughs> I don't want to get arrested. Can't, you know, can't go yeah, to pre-release jail. I cannot believe you asked that. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course, yeah. So recently, um, you know, I won't share any music. Obviously, it's not ready yet. But um, I recently just recorded my debut EP. Um, it's going to have three to four songs. And I went down to Los Angeles, where my family is from. I have a producer that lives in Pasadena and he's incredibly talented. I was able to work with him on my first single, Homegirl, which is now streaming on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you can stream, and fortunate enough to get to work with him again. Um, This time, instead of doing it remotely, I was able to be with him in the studio, and it was just amazing. Yeah, it was incredible. So, um, you know, no no future dates, just stay tuned, just check my website um, for all the deets. And how did you get started in music and how young were you when you kind of started to get into 
find yeah. out what, what your vibe was with music. I mean, I've been singing theme song to Titanic since I was two. <laughs> awesome. Since I was a little baby. Um, but I was always really shy growing up with really being able to, I mean, I did theater because theater, you're not yourself. Mm-hmm. You get to hide behind a character. So mm-hmm. I was kind of, you know, that was my vocal stretch. And then I was able to finally um, get comfortable singing. And that's um, recently, you know, 2017 is when I started playing out. Mm-hmm. And so um, not that I haven't been singing in front of people, but just being by yourself on stage is a totally different thing than being in theater or being in choir because you're totally, you know, just exposed. Did wine help you get through that? <laughs> of course, lots of wine. Lots yeah. of good wine, lots of good of wine. Yeah, yes. I just feel like if you're driven, a driven person, then why not, you know, like use all the outlets that you can and just like see what works. And obviously, like I love the wine industry, but there's so much amazing music out here in mm-hmm. Sonoma County. And one of my favorite things is going to concerts, seeing other musicians. And I was like, hey, I'm going to try this, too. Awesome. <laughs> so nice. Yeah. What's your favorite venue locally to kind of play in? So favorite venue would probably be, it's hard. I think Belly is the place that I've played the most. Okay. I think I've played there around six or seven times and uh, I absolutely love it. I just think that they get it. They understand like what the music brings. Mm-hmm. They have great atmosphere, great wine list, great beer list, um, great vibes. Um, one of my other favorite gigs was at Elephant in the Room, which is oh, in Healdsburg. Yeah. Love that place. And they do such a good job. They bring in a different act almost, I think it's th- at least three times a week. And mm-hmm. they're just incredible mm-hmm. with supporting local music. So, Awesome. Now, I think you got your start way back when, um, you know, trying out with some of the open mic stuff. I feel like that would be such a daunting, like intimidating place to start because it's just you. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, especially Definitely. if you're kind of new to it. Uh, yeah. And what's <laughs> what's that like going up there when it's something you've never done before? Yeah, I would say it's, you know, it's a lot about having the confidence from whatever life experience you can draw and just realize that you're doing this um, for a reason. It's not about you. It's not about your nerves. It's about the, the purpose that you have. And so if you can focus on that and channel that, um, whatever career, whatever thing you've worked really hard for, just kind of focus that confidence. And it's really all about confidence and um, just being being yourself. Then flashing forward to the uh, to you know songwriting and getting in a studio, are there again nerves kind of presenting songs you've written to a producer and being like, "This is what I wrote." <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> well, of course, but um, I would say that is the most just ride that wave part of the career. Like, just it's the best part. It's such a high, and um, obviously, like this is new for me. And so I can see why artists definitely have that that amazing feeling every time that they record, every time that they're on stage. It's it's a it's an amazing feeling, and um, to be able to really get good feedback, um, it's not stressful at all. I would say to answer your question, <laughs> um, I would say it's just finding the right fit. Um, you know, people are always asking me like, "Are you gonna try to get with a record label?" And honestly, if I've already came this much you know this um came this far already i don't really see the point but um i just think i'm just going to keep on kind of 
seeing where it can go and really pushing my music as far as I can and you know obviously making people escape and letting people like find their find their uh, connection to my songs all the songs that I write about are very relatable so one of the songs on my EP which I won't give too much away is going to be called Reverie and so Reverie is about a dream state and it really means finding your you know losing yourself in your dreams and your daydreams and so I think everybody has you know a side passion everyone's got something that they really love and so I think that that's something that I can really relate to um and that'll be the title of my EP. Nice. Reverie. Love that. Speaking of side passions, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, we mentioned at the beginning, um, also in the wine world as a yes. sommelier. So for people who don't know, I mean, I'm sure people have heard of a sommelier, but uh, for people who don't know, what, what do you do as one? So a sommelier is basically the, um, the person who really truly understands wine laws and regions of the world, um, classic wines of the world in a deeper, under, greater understanding, um, where you do have to decipher really detailed labels in different languages, Germany, you know, um, you study France, you study Italy, and really understanding what that means in translation to the guest and how that wine's going to taste. Um, when a lot of times wine lists can be hundreds of pages. Wow. And as you guys know, in Sonoma County, we have amazing, incredible restaurants. And a lot of those, those um, you know, restaurant lists um, will be super daunting. And so that's kind of our job as a sommelier. I'd say the majority of sommeliers are in restaurants. I would say that the fact that I work for, you know, in more of the winery side, um, that's more of a rarity, just because um, sommelier is truly about that fine dining um, approach where you're going to find that person in that restaurant that will be, you know, the most knowledgeable person on that wine list. Um, and they will also answer questions about pairings, about, you know, what's going to, what, what is this going to taste like? Um, what would you recommend after dinner? Would you recommend a cocktail or would you recommend a dessert wine? Mm -hmm. So there's just, um, you know, there's a lot of cool, um, things that a sommelier gets to try, like wines that they get to try that are um, incredible that you would have never heard of. So that's why I love it, personally. And what kind of preparation um, did it take to kind of get ready to reach the status of level two? Level two, is that Level right? two. Okay, awesome. Yeah, so after college, um, I studied wine business at Sonoma State University. And, um, you know, level one sommelier right off the bat, I uh, took level one in 2013 and then level two is the part that takes a lot of practice, a lot of dedication. Um, most sommeliers will have study groups for a year or two wow. and also be studying. Um, you know, you have to have, you know, sommelier prep course, wine Bible, all of these books, um, and really kind of be versed in not only theory of wine, take blind tasting of wine, which I did bring a wine today. <laughs> and then also um, the service. The service mm -hmm. is, to me, the most daunting and the part that took a lot of preparation just because I didn't work in restaurants. Mm -hmm. um, the service is truly having an understanding of um, how to give a customer a concise answer when you have three other tables that you need to get to, mm -hmm. but you need to explain this wine in like a three quick, <laughs> you know, what is this wine gonna bring? What's it taste like? Give me like the, the synopsis of the wine. And do you have to know, I mean, 
so in the the setting that you're at at the winery so um do you are you the one that they go to to figure out do they do like wine and food pairings there or like kind of what's your yeah job and no, what are your question. duties there we um we actually um are doing wine and food pairings at the winery I work for Arista and um so what we're seeing is you know basically having having me of course um give great customer service and great hospitality but also having that education where people can ask those deeper greater questions about what is native wild yeast fermentation mm-hmm. and you know how is this wine made so differently than the wines that we see in the grocery store and what is the difference in price and mm-hmm. what is the difference you know between vineyard prices so a lot of these questions are things that maybe people have always wanted to ask but they've never been in the right presence to ask um so yeah, of course i'm going to help with food pairings but to me it's it's just an incredible thing to be able to um, educate in a fun way mm-hmm. um, obviously giving great hospitality at the same time so it's definitely um, an amazing amazing career now it being in the tasting room setting you can sort of experiment with different things but say you're in a restaurant setting and you know you have someone there who's just not knowledgeable in wine and what to pair and what to get and maybe doesn't even know what they like uh, how much how much do you have to sort of feel out what their tastes are to steer them in the right direction if they have no clue what they're looking for? <laughs> where, where do you even start in that situation? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think sommeliers definitely have, you know, have to have a diplomatic approach for any kind of wine buyer because there's going to be buyers that um, are the ones that really just want to have a good impression in front of their lady. Or maybe like mm-hmm. there's a lady that's like, I just want to look good in front of my girl, you know, like, so you want to have that, you want to have that, you know, graceful approach between recommending something, but also letting them feel like, okay, you are important and we do want to get to know your palate. Um, You also have those buyers that are just, you know, just give me your best wine. I trust you. So you really have a different clientele. So I would say, yeah, just having a different um, approach for different um, clientele. Should we try our uh, our blind tasting here? Yes. Now, when you're tasting wine for the first time, what in the flavor are you looking for? What identifies it as what it is? Uh, what are the different factors kind of you're thinking about when when you're trying a new wine? All right. So let's yeah dig into it. So um, <laughs> basically, um, I brought a wine that we are going to kind of just you know go through all the steps, but. Um, kind of abbreviate them. So basically what I'm looking for in a wine is um, first I'm looking at the color. Secondly, I'm looking at the um, um, kind of the viscosity and then uh, we'll dig into the aromas, um, dig into the palate and kind of conclude with, um, you know, you do ask of course those questions of, okay, is this wine balanced? And is this a, a classically made wine where they're expressing the terroir without over manipulating or over oaking or maybe the acidity is out of balance so I would say balance is huge um, but yeah let's let's kind of dig in and you guys can tell me what you think <laughs> <laughs> so first off this wine is um, I would say a star bright um, the color is uh, I would say a dark um, kind of yellow straw mm. I would say the viscosity is uh, medium um, you know, showing um, no uh, gas, um, 
No and bubbles. For those that don't know what viscosity is, what is that exactly? Viscosity is going to be basically how the wine um, kind of flows in the glass, um, how the wine clings. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, if the wine is super high alcohol, you're going to have a little bit more cling and you're a little more tearing. Um, but it's not super conclusive. But those are just going to give you some some first clues in, into your detective process. Okay. Did you mention bubbles also? Yeah, so this and, is a still wine. Okay. <laughs> so so the most obvious things in wine, you do, I know they seem obvious, but you do want to, when you're a sommelier, you do want to go through all those little check boxes, mm-hmm. even if it seems redundant. <laughs> this could have been champagne. <laughs> Just clearing that up. Yeah. All right, on no the aromas, <laughs> what are you guys getting on the aromas? Um, a little bit of melon. Yeah. Mm. I know there's a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's start here, okay? Is this wine a very expressive wine, or is it more, would you say, more subtle? I say subtle. Yeah, I would say it's subtle as well. <laughs> yeah, I like that. So It's soft. It's a very, yeah, it's not a um, high-intensity, popping-out-of-the-glass, floral crazy potpourri um it's kind of more yeah i would say it's more elegant on the nose um to me i would say the primaries like if i had to describe the aromas to a customer in three words um i would say uh some type of a golden apple mm-hmm. um i would say like a creme brulee kind of creaminess um butterscotch and then i would say Lemon, I would say those would be the three, the three things that are popping out. Not that there's so many, not there's a many multiple characteristics, but if I had to kind of say it in three words, um. it's nice and it tastes good too. <laughs> <laughs> Is so, there any um, ML would, on this one? Yeah, so you would kind of look for. Okay, am I getting any oak or butter presence? So if you're getting any oak or butter presence, what you would look for on the nose, this is all before we're tasting it too, which is Mm. crazy. You would look at, is there any butterscotch, vanilla, caramel, toast, um, any of that present? Mm -hmm. Um, And if you're getting any of that, that does show the presence of new French oak or new American oak, um, which means that that caramelization from the barrel is actually gonna show through. So to me, I I mean, what do you guys think? I would say this does have it. Yes. I agree. Definitely. Yay. So you guys are killing it. You guys are incredible. I'm very excited right now. You guys are the best. So this wine is, um, to me, it's definitely showing a really nice kind of creaminess. Um, Let's try it. Yeah. So then as far as flavor, one of the first first things you're thinking about on on the first sip. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely... um, I would say big, creamy, mouth filling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lots of, um, I would say, continuing that stone fruit and continuing that um, apple, but also a little bit of pear. You're getting, you're getting almost a little bit of this golden kind of pear on the palate um, that's showing through. I would say the ripeness is kind of a, a right on the ripe scale. I wouldn't say it's overripe or cooked. I would say that it's just ripe. I would say. Um, the body on this is pretty full. Mm-hmm. So um, what you can tell by body is 
um, really showing you the varietal. So a lot of times if it's Sauvignon Blanc, if it's Pinot Gris, you can eliminate those varietals right off the bat if they're, um, if the wine has full bodied. Mm -hmm. So basically full bodied wines, you can say that, um, it could be a Chardonnay. This could be a Viognier. Um, you already have a couple wines in mind just Mm -hmm. off of the flavors that we've talked about the palate you can kind of start eliminating one by one um but i would say overall this wine is really balanced Mm -hmm. it's fruity but it also has a little bit of that kind of savory quality as well um would you guys say the wine is dry i would say that it it is dry yeah it's not sweet yeah i would definitely say it's dry is, would sweet be the opposite? If- yes. You can have, so you can have uh, dry, you can have off dry, you can have sweet, you can have really sweet, and then you can have dessert wine. <laughs> and then the thing that's really confusing that I recently learned is that with um, sparkling wine, it's yes. the opposite. Right? It's interesting with sparkling wine. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times, the one confusing thing that they do, that I hate that they do on sparkling wine, <laughs> is that... Um, Brute means dry, mm-hmm. and extra dry means sweet. Mm-hmm. So Very brute, confusing. so brute and extra brute for you dry lovers is what you want to look at. Um, for you sweet lovers, you can look at. Um, we were just talking about the um, the what is it? The demi sec is super sweet, mm-hmm. off dry, and then extra dry actually means sweet. Yeah, not to confuse you. I'm I'm following along. I got. It. Now, what's the difference between dry and off dry? So dry is um, three re- three grams of residual sugar or less per liter, which is really like, when you think about it, that's like less than 1% of the entire wine. And then anything above three to five grams residual sugar per liter would probably be off dry. Um, anything when it gets sweeter and sweeter, then you're getting into more um, obvious sweetness. Whereas the lower levels are really hard to detect if you're not super keen on picking up sugar. Interesting. Did we identify what this is? So we have some guesses. We have <laughs> that this could be a Viognier. It uh-huh. could be a Chardonnay. Yeah. Full-bodied, um, moderate climate. We have the, um, you know, higher, me- probably higher to medium plus alcohol. Um, we have, I would say, medium plus acidity, um, which shows that it's from a moderate climate. So I would say... Uh, it'll put us in the New World, California region. Um, and I would say at this point, you kind of just have to make an educated guess. Yeah. So I'm going to guess that it's a Chardonnay. <laughs> that would have been my guess as well. <laughs> I love it. See, this is this is my favorite thing, you guys. I love blind tasting. It's so fun. So I'm going to reveal the wine. Yay. So the wine is Arista 2017 El Diablo Vineyard Chardonnay Russian River. Um, You guys called the grape. Um, We collectively called the region. So I would say we nailed it. Hey. hey. Round of applause, everybody. Good job. (laughs) You guys are amazing. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, cheers. That was amazing. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) (laughs) So Chardonnay is one of my favorite. I don't know. What are your guys' favorite wines? I tend to lean towards the Pinots, and I love a good rosé. I've recently started to really enjoy a good Chardonnay. Yeah. And then um, if I'm going to go into, like, the deeper reds, I'll typically go for, like, a Malbec even or a Merlot. 
I love it. Mm-hmm. Love it. Pinot yeah. Noir is also one of my favorites. So good. You can't go wrong. No. It just goes with everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's your favorite region for Pinots? Pinot Noir, for me, um, I like, I definitely like California Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. But then there's this new, you know, like the Burgundies these days from France are actually a bit riper and they have a bit more alcohol than the past. Mm. So the Burgundies from France are not maybe what they once were. And so I would say if you like Pinot Noir, definitely try more <clears throat> more French um, Pinot Noir from Burgundy um, just because I think the um, the quality and just a lot of the fact that there's small winemakers out there. Yeah. You're getting just such unique flavors from them. So we have, uh, I don't know, we call it the Rock and Vino Challenge. I don't know. That's what I'm going to call it. Uh, we, <laughs> I don't even know where this wine Mike came. is basically going to blind me on a wine. <laughs> exactly. And I don't even know this podcast very well. And they're putting me on the spot now. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, we have a, an unmarked bottle here. I, I'd say you can't see the color, but you can't see the color. But So we're going we're gonna to test you out. We're going to see how good you are and Ooh. try to ID what <laughs> what exactly this is. All right. We got it. Doesn't. We got a shiner up in here, you guys. Look at that, how it like bubbles up. That's so we have a shiner. Um, I'm going to evaluate the wine for quality first, which is always the first thing that you do as a sommelier. I'm kind I of cannot afraid. verify quality. <laughs> I'm kind of afraid to drink this. Okay. So looking at the wine, this wine is a star bright color. Um, the Are wine we is sure clean. This is wine. Okay. <laughs> I'm getting a straw um, color. I'm getting. Um, Kind of some fizziness um, to the wine. Um, fizziness can be um, the fact that maybe there was some yeast left over in the bottle that were still fermenting when it was bottled. And so what can happen is that that um, extra CO2 did not get to escape because that extra fermentation was going on post-bottling. Hmm. So what you can have is a slight bubbling. Um, that's, that I'm guessing that's what happened. Which is not a bad thing. I mean, some people pay a lot of money for bubbles, as you guys know. <laughs> yeah, right? That's so not a bad thing. Are, are we sure this is wine? <laughs> it smells like wine. Okay. Does it taste like wine? <laughs> yeah. Sure All right, so on the like aromatics, <laughs> you guys, this is exactly why last time I asked you, is this high intensity, low intensity? This is a high intensity aromatic that I do wine. Get. You're getting a lot of flour. Yes. You're lot. getting a lot of this white flour, potpourri, um, like lychee. You get ginger on here. I'm getting candied ginger, which is beautiful. I'm not Ooh. smelling any oak. Mm-mm. Are you? Mm-mm. I'm not getting a presence of oak on here. Mm. So for the high intensity aroma varietals, I'm already basically eliminating 90% of wines, you guys, just on the nose. You can mm. actually, as a sommelier, this would be one of the easiest wines to get. So for me, my wines that are this aromatic and potpourri-like are either Gewürztraminer, Moscato, Riesling, Albarino. So I'm already kind of just on the nose leaning towards Gewürztraminer. Mm-hmm. Do you actually know what it is, Mike? I don't, actually. Oh, man. <laughs> I wish I had the correct answer. Well, you need to ask your friend who gave you this right now and text them. Yeah, exactly. Be like, this is urgent. We need we to know. We need to know. We need to know if we're right. Exactly. <laughs> we need to know. This is important. 
It's interesting, though. It has a lot of effervescence on it when you taste it. It does. Mm -hmm. It does, yeah. And I'm thinking that since it's not, to me, since the wine is not fully sparkling, I'm thinking that it was that kind of accidental post-fermentation. Bubbles didn't have anywhere to escape. The CO2 couldn't rise, Mm -hmm. so it just turned into bubbles. That's what I'm guessing. Interesting. Very two di- very different wines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I would say this is a Moscato or a Gewurztraminer. Mm. Um, I would say on the palate, it's very light. It's very crisp. It's very refreshing. It's dry. To me, it's lacking a bit of complexity on the finish, but um, I would rate this wine as kind of, you know, like a $15 price point. Like I would say it's like, it's good. It's drinkable. It doesn't have a lot of, complexity um it's refreshing though mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> good for the pool <laughs> Absolutely. where's the other chardonnay i would probably pair with um kind of like a mushroom risotto or i would mm. pair with um you know just like a, a creamy chicken dinner with some alfredo um this this moscato i would say or Ries or gewurztraminer or whatever it is um we'll just call it uh muscat riesling-esque gewurz-esque wine <laughs> Um, I would just say this is good outside for the summer. Nice. Now, is there a general rule with pairings? If if you're unsure, um, you know, w- which direction to go in? Typically, you want to pair lighter fare with lighter wines, lighter fish with white wine. Um, but it really just depends because food and wine are ever-changing. Um, the style that you use with the sauce can make all the difference. So I would say pair with the um, you know lighter bodied with lighter bodied wine, fuller bodied with fuller bodied wine. Um, but really, there's there's no end all be all. It's all about experimentation. What's been your favorite pairing that you've ever like unique pairing that you've ever had with wine and? Um, oh, I love this question. Food items, so whether oh. that's like cheese and wine or girl <laughs> cracker. I'm such a foodie. Oh. So. Uh, for me personally, um, one time there was this, so one of my friends who used to work at Bravas, we went to Bravas in Healdsburg, and I had never heard of Iberico ham, which is the prosciutto, where um, it's a special prosciutto from Spain where the hogs only eat acorn. Oh. And it's a very like lean and nutty and earthy type of prosciutto that's mm. just sublime. And so we paired that with a 2004 um, Merceau, um, which was typically, Merceau is a region in France. It's not a Grand Cru, it's a Premier Cru. And so um, it's super famous for white wine, but we actually tried a red Burgundy from Merceau, which was interesting. Um, and it was just incredible. So the the 04 Merceau had this really kind of herbally red fruit, kind of Washington apple, kind of herbaceousness to it. Um, it was definitely like, you could tell it had this really kind of like underneath the hood of the car. It had so much going on just because it was older. Mm-hmm. And I think I have a picture of the producer. I can tell you guys the producer. Um, but I would say that mixed with the Iberico ham was incredible. Nice. Um, just because it needed that fat. It needed that kind of source of richness and decadence to go along with it. And like I said, it was the There was our cough button. <laughs> I think you accidentally turned off your mic. Oh. <laughs> Maybe For like two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. Um, but yeah, if you guys ever get out to Healdsburg, yeah, 
please, yeah. please try the Iberico ham at Bravas. It is amazing. Yeah, Bravas is such a great restaurant. Oh, have Love you been? It. Oh, yeah, many times. It's so good. Have you ever had their sangria? So good. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love all of their cocktails mm-hmm. are incredible. Yeah. So I will find I'll, I will find the producer for you guys. I have it. But yes, um, definitely experiment with with white and red burgundy because you can't go wrong. Okay, so the producer is uh, Pascal Matro. And it's a Merceau Appalachian uh, 2004. Perfect. Thank you. Now with um, now with your music, you've been kind of playing a lot locally in yeah. Sonoma, Santa Rosa. Um, do you have some upcoming shows that you'd like to tell everybody about? I do. Yeah. So if you guys want to come check out my band, um, I will be actually doing a full band gig this Friday at um, Roadhouse 29 in St. Helena. Oh, nice. Um, it'll be my first time there. I've never been. So I'm really excited. And I only bring out accompaniment with a bassist and a drummer if it makes sense. And I don't want to, um, you know, always bring them out if it's not a venue that wants to have a big crowd and wants to have the dancing vibe. So it's a really special treat when I do get to bring them out. Um, Justin, my bassist, is one of the best bassists in the area. He's a part of Charlie Peach Band. They've opened for Echo Smith um, in the downtown Santa Rosa market, which is amazing. And then my drummer Lance is incredible. He's um, kind of a legend in the industry. Um, he teaches music. He's um, he plays drums for me. And then they back me up on guitar. And so I'll be doing some originals and covers. Um, Roadhouse Twenty Nine at seven thirty p.m. this Friday. Um, I believe we go from seven to ten. Nice. Um, and then um, last minute, I'll be doing a solo gig at. Um, Jada Toad in Windsor this Thursday and that'll be um, July 25th and it'll be at 8 p.m. Wonderful. And now for those that are unfamiliar with your music, how would you describe your sound and your vibe? Yeah, so I I would say that I have a really unique sound that's similar to Billie Eilish, um, Alina Baraz, Skylar Gray. Um, I just... You know, I don't even ever think about how my voice sounds. I kind of just live in the moment and I experience it. But a lot of folks have compared me to Nora Jones or um, artists similar to that. I would say that all of my music is um, indie pop. You know, it's independent. Um, It's just me. But I am writing new songs every day on piano currently. Um, I'm getting a lot of inspiration from piano. Mm Mm-hmm. And I will be hopefully playing a little bit of piano as well um, at Roadhouse 29, just to kind of mix it up. And I think that piano is such a beautiful instrument. Oh, yeah. um, I just actually learned it a couple months ago. So wow. I've been trying to integrate it as much as I can. How cool. And um, the story goes is my roommate actually bought a piano that she literally never even used. <laughs> a couple months ago, I started messing around with it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. can I borrow your piano? And she's like, yeah. So I started just picking it up um, based on how much I loved guitar and just kind of using that musical kind of theory background. And so, yeah, if you guys want to hear um, my band, uh, feel free to come out and check us out on our website. It's CarrieKathleen.net. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram, and that's Carrie Kathleen Music. It's spelled K-E-R-R-Y. Um, and then my middle name is Kathleen. 
Now, we always close a certain way here, and I have a feeling we're going to get the most specific answer <laughs> we've ever gotten to this question. Definitely. So I, I will give you the honors. <laughs> so, we always like to ask, um, on a good day when you go home, so what is your yeah. favorite pairing of food, wine, and music? Ooh. Ooh, this is such a good question, you guys. <laughs> um, I would say Chardonnay. I'm such a Chardonnay girl. Mm-hmm. I would say... Arista Chardonnay, El Diablo, the one we're trying. So I only good. I only brought my favorite. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> I would say um, this wine. Um, Pat Benatar hit me with your best shot, and I would say, just I love '80s music. And then what would I have with it? I don't know. This is hard. <laughs> I would say, um, I don't know, maybe like a crab melt or crab tacos just because I love crab tacos yeah yes yum thank you now now you're making me want food (laughs) I know right you guys (laughs) there's evidently a crab um like food truck at the downtown market that I I have to hit up I heard they're amazing and I have not hit them up yet that sounds amazing Mm -hmm. I haven't been to the markets yet this this season you'll have to go I know, I'll I see you to. at the crab truck. I know. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And with that successful pairing recommendation, you are now level three sommelier. That was your final <laughs> test. So Totally. <laughs> you guys, this has been so fun, you guys. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Thank you. And um, definitely we'll check you out live. And everybody else, be sure to go check her out live and check out her website, carriekathleen.net. And um, don't forget to check out our new episodes every Tuesday at Rock and Vino, R-O-C-K-N-V-I-N-O. Um, and new episodes drop every Tuesday at 7 a.m. See you soon. <laughs>